going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope that the weekend was fantastic for you and that you're ready to have another great week of pro wrestling. Lord knows there's a lot happening this week, including the full gear pay-per-view from AEW. That's going down Saturday night. We'll talk about that during the week, but there's certainly a lot of other news that we need to dig into, and we definitely will. So first and foremost, thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the faction show. We appreciate it. As well as those of you who are subscribed to our podcast, you guys continue to support what we're doing. And I just want to shout out all of the silent supporters. Those of you who may never have commented on a Facebook or Instagram or Twitter post. Those of you who don't let us know that you're listening. I'm not upset with you at all. I'm not mad. Should be great to hear from you, but I'm just glad that you're there. I'm glad that you're processing the information. I'm glad that you keep coming back. Keep doing so. And my only request of you is that you tell others as well. You don't have to be vocal, though I'd love it if you were, but if you aren't, keep listening, keep supporting. We really, really appreciate it. Now then, There's a lot to get down to on the get down. I'm going to start, ironically, with AEW, okay? So, of course, Friday night we had SmackDown and we had AEW Rampage. Now, I'm just going to start from the top and say this. AEW is a far better product live than taped. They do a great job of putting packages together and the like, but there's just a different energy. It's much like what we've seen in WWE, how Raw and SmackDown are better when they are live. It is just something about the unpredictable nature of being live that gives a different energy. The crowd has a different energy at AEW, and I understand it. When AEW Rampage first began, we started wondering how would they handle the this show would it be a taped show would it be a live show the first couple of episodes were live and again a special energy happened but then it became a bit more cost effective in some cases for the show to be taped so when it's been taped it's been a different energy because that particular crowd has already sat through two hours of dynamite some dark matches as well so they're kind of spent for that last hour So I will say this, I don't know how much it's costing AEW to go live for Rampage, but I think it is more than worth it. Now let's just talk about the moment that everybody's talking about, because when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is spicy. The big promo between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. I'm gonna start by saying this, the one thing about pro wrestling that is amazing is that you can always recognize when something authentic is happening. And it became very, very clear there was no promo written for this. There was no direction given other than help us land to to the full gear match. And boy, these two had a spicy promo. And it certainly seemed like their battle afterwards was very, very authentic. I'm intrigued. I haven't seen this kind of heat 
honestly have to go back to post-Attitude Era uh, when you're talking about Matt Hardy and Edge, when Matt Hardy just showed up on Raw unsigned, attacked Edge, they were fighting over Lita, we all knew it was authentic, it just changes the game. And so the history that these two told of each other, CM Punk actually calling Eddie Kingston a bum, Eddie Kingston taking us behind the velvet rope and actually garnered some sympathy for himself. And for the first time in all of AEW, CM Punk is painted in a bad light. This is intriguing and they sold me on the match. They sold me on the pay-per-view. They sold me on all of this. And the cool thing is when there is authentic heat, you don't have to create a promo. You just let it rip and it is amazing. So shout out to AEW. This CM Punk, Eddie Kingston thing is special to me and I can't wait to see how this all pans out. Something tells me that this Saturday at Full Gear, not only will it steal the show, but it won't be the end of this and it could even be the first loss for CM Punk if it even ends in a pinfall or submission. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's gonna be absolute must-see TV, and it's worth the price of the pay-per-view alone. I'm still buzzing off of the all-out pay-per-view from AEW. One thing is true. When it comes to AEW, they may only give you four pay-per-views a year, but good Lord, those pay-per-views are worth it. Every pay-per-view this year has delivered, and because they keep delivering, you forget about some of the moments that didn't go so well. Uh, like earlier in this year, we've almost forgotten that they had the exploding death bomb match where the ring didn't exactly explode, right? It makes you forget about the one gaffe, and I'm not trying to bring up AEW's gaffes, but the point is that they are doing such good work following those things that it makes you forget that those things have happened. So this is going to be a big week for AEW, live episode of Dynamite, live episode of Rampage, and of course, the big pay-per-view on Saturday night. So this ought to be some really, really good stuff from AEW. On the WWE side, and we're going to dig into that a bit more extensively, but I do want to talk briefly about what I think is the bright spot at WWE right now, particularly on SmackDown. You're probably not going to be prepared for this answer as much as we want to talk the bloodline and the new day, which is a cool thing. And I could see where that's going for SummerSlam. To me, the bright spot is Pat McAfee. This guy on commentary just gets it. And again, him with a live mic, it's unpredictable. It's authentic. He could say almost anything. He nearly got censored Friday night. Like it's just super, super cool. So shout out to Pat McAfee, who I think adds quite a bit to the SmackDown product. He can make something even like Happy Corbin seem interesting. So shout out to him. Now, when we return, and yes, we're going to do it when we return, we're going to give you some insight as we dig a bit more into the startling releases from WWE that we talked about on Friday. And Nia Jax has spoken out. We shared a bit of it on the socials. We want to talk some more about it specifically here on the podcast when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? 
well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, all right, guys, so WWE is a very interesting place. Now, when we last talked on Friday, we talked about the 18 to 20 people that WWE chose to release. On top of that, we talked about how they immediately shared on the same day their financial report, which could arguably be among the most insensitive things that they've done. Or is it? Because apparently it gets better. As Nia Jax on Friday took to the socials to tell the world what happened and how she found out about her release and why she was away from WWE. So I want to share some of it for those who have yet to read it because I think it is just absolutely powerful. So here's what she said on Instagram. She said, quote, I usually keep my personal life private, but yesterday's reports leave me with no options but to clarify matters. I recently took a short leave of absence from WWE for a mental health break. I've been working through so much, more than I can share, and so I took some time with the full support of the company to take care of myself. Earlier this week, after WWE sent me my schedule to return to the ring for the November 15th show, I asked for an extension to my mental health break, feeling that I needed more time and hoping I would have the ongoing support of the company I've given my all to for the past seven years. I did not receive a response. The next I heard, I was being released. My vaccination status was never mentioned. I wasn't given any choices or options. It breaks my heart to be so abruptly let go, 
without consultation when dealing with so much privately. I loved my career at WWE. I love the men and women I worked with, and I'm going to need time to process this huge loss. I appreciate those people who have shown understanding and compassion during an incredibly difficult time. So first lesson from this is we can't believe everything we read from the dirt sheets. Now, there was a report floating out there that a number of the people that were released, their releases were connected to their vaccination stances and statuses. We didn't report that because, quite frankly, I didn't believe it to be true. And Nia Jax completely debunks this. Right. So there's that. But here's the other side of it. It is just unfathomable to believe that in this current climate, when you have Simone Biles dropping out of the Olympics to care for her mental health, when you have Naomi Osaka dropping out of major tennis tournaments because she's focusing on her health, it's unfathomable that in this environment, the WWE would not extend grace to Nia Jax to return after the proposed November the 15th date. Here's the truth of it. If your mentals aren't good, the rest of you won't be good. How do you expect her to perform well in the ring and have some degree of safety when her mental status is off? How do you expect her to travel from town to town and interact with so many people if her mentals are off now i'm gonna also throw one other thing in here which i think is interesting and then we'll get back to the conversation about mental health because here's what's interesting if you'll notice well in case you don't notice i want to throw out a level of commonality because i've had people asking us hey why do you think wwe did this and i think there are a lot of reasons Obviously, they claim budget cuts, but there's an underlying commonality between a number of these folks who have been released. I think you can be the judge. Here we go. Get ready for this. Nia Jax is age 37. Keith Lee is age 37. Mia Yim is age 32. Karrion Cross is age 36. Ember Moon is age 33. Taya Valkyrie, aka Frankie Monet, is age 38. I just read five or six of the people who have been released in this wave of releases by WWE. And do you notice something? They're all in their 30s. Well, let's kind of add to that dialogue an interview that we have aired parts of here on The Faction from Nick Khan as he had an interview right before SummerSlam where he talked about the fact that they realized that a lot of their current stars on SmackDown and Raw are in their late 30s and early 40s and they need new blood. They need a younger crop of people, which is one of the reasons why NXT became NXT 2.0 where there became more of a focus on younger talent, younger people, people who are looking to develop, and they wanted to make the road from NXT to Raw and SmackDown uh, a much easier road to travel. So if you're looking for a reason as to why a number of these folks have been released, I don't think it was vaccination. I think it's ageism. So you have an issue in WWE where age is playing a role and now you have a lack of sensitivity for mental health. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a really 
bad combination. I mean bad, really bad. And I'll tell you why. The sport of pro wrestling, you know, sometimes people look at it almost like hip hop, right? Like there was a time when hip hop was first created where people said you can't have a career in hip hop because you're not going to be 40 or 50 years old and rapping. And then now we see the most successful rappers that we consider to be legendary that drop albums that we love like Jay-Z or Kanye or several folks are in their 40s. So this ageism thing is an issue. Now, some would say in WWE, the reason it's an issue because your bones can't move the same, you're not as attractive, blah, blah, blah. But then I look at New Japan Pro Wrestling and I see someone like Minoru Suzuki, who's been wrestling actively for 35 years, who is deemed a legend and can go with everybody from Brian Danielson to Jungle Boy to whomever, right? He can do it all. You see folks who retire after 35, 40 years who are still active in the ring in New Japan. So why the difference between New Japan and WWE? I think WWE again provides us and proves to us that they are more interested in entertaining the world than they are using the vehicle of wrestling. I think it's horrible. And quite frankly, I think it's a bit disingenuous and double-tongued to then also bring back certain legends when you need finances. So you bring back a Brock Lesnar to pop us at SummerSlam. You bring back a John Cena to pop us at SummerSlam. You bring back Goldberg for SummerSlam and for Crown Jewel, right? So maybe they're saying that the legends or people in their 40s are only good enough for a certain time period. Let's remember Bobby Lashley won the WWE Championship at age 44. Now maybe he's an anomaly, I don't know. But also notice that not only is he not WWE champion now, but he hasn't been on television for a while. Matter of fact, we haven't seen him on TV since Crown Jewel with Goldberg. So what's happening here? You take a look at other folks who have left, like an Adam Cole, a Brian Danielson. These folks are in their late 30s. And so is WWE showing us that ageism and a lack of sensitivity towards mental health is kind of the way they're operating, all while posting big, big numbers for their quarter. Oh, and by the way, this week tickets for WrestleMania go on sale. Perfect storm of insensitivity? I would say yes. I'm concerned. And here I am not trying to tell you whether or not to support WWE. That's your decision. And quite frankly, I think what WWE has managed to do is they have created a product that whether we like it or we don't like it, we end up finding ourselves having to connect to it because we don't want to miss what potentially could be next. So it's almost I don't want to use the word addiction but it's almost like that, right? There are a number of folks who are hardcore wrestling fans that only tune in because they don't want to miss something and they want to stay connected. There are others who don't even watch the product. So here's my question for the day. In light of all the information you've seen and heard and some of the things I've shared with you over the last couple of episodes, you still a WWE gal or guy? Do you still watch the product? Will you still watch the product? Let us know on the socials at 
the faction show in case you missed it shw 33 went down this weekend it was a huge huge show can't wait for it to hit iwtv as i know it's going to be absolutely amazing and when it does we'll be certain to let you know of course tonight you've got monday night raw happening three hours no telling what will happen on the show but uh that's going down tonight and again a full week of programming which includes nxt 2.0 nwa power impact wrestling aew dynamite rampage and full gear along with wwe's smackdown nxt uk and more so there's wrestling abounding every single day hopefully you'll enjoy it but i am intrigued to hear and see whether or not you're still going to follow the wwe product all right with that said we're out of here have an amazing monday and until next time representing for my good brothers courtney beard brandon clack and the fourth horseman john murray my name is gerard bonner and this is the faction Solid, my people. Here we go.